today because, uh, man, this is this has been a tough week, you know. And and uh, I had uh, I had some. We we started a series on uh, we did, we started a series on uh, Thanksgiving, and I had every intention of just keep going forward with that. And uh, it seems like the, as the the longer the week went, and the more I saw, the more the more stuff that happened. Uh, I just felt like that. I I just you know. We just need to uh, we need to address some things this morning and talk about some things. We, as the body of Christ, <clears throat> you know, it's important what we listen to. It's important who we listen to. It's important what we what we allow to come in into our eyes and into our ears. Listen to uh, Mark chapter four and verse twenty four. Hold your place in Matthew fifteen. I told you Matthew fifteen, but. If you turn over, well, and I, I tell you what, I'm going to read this from the Passion, so unless you have a Passion, you can, just, you can just listen as I read this from the Passion. But Mark chapter 4 and verse 24, and, uh, you know, and I, I, say this, I, I say this a lot, but you realize that, that, like, when you come to church, that your part is just as big as my part. In other words... You know, I've prepared, I, I'll, I'll share the Word, and I'll deliver what I feel like God's, God's spoken to me to deliver, but, but your part in listening and hearing, and then what you do with it is really, to be honest with you, probably more important than even just the delivery of the Word. Because if you, if you let it come in one ear and back out the other and do nothing with it, then the Bible says, you know, that, we're not, that we are not to be hearers only, but we're to be doers of the Word. Because if we're not a doer of the word, then then we then we're you know uh, we might as well just stay home and and sit on the couch and watch TV, right? Listen to this in Mark chapter four, twenty four. Now the King James just says it this way: Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. But listen to the the, the passion translation in this. Mark 4, 24. I think we've got the Passion Translation. He said this. Then he said to them, this is Jesus talking. He said, be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. Now, you, please understand that, that uh, words are important. And he doesn't, just, he doesn't put words in the Bible just to, to, to fill space. Listen to, listen to the words of this. Be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. How many of you know that you could hear something and not understand the meaning of it? And, and you could think you understand something based on your perception or based on the way you view things, but the meaning behind what is really said might have a totally different context to it. So we have to be very careful that even the things we hear that we understand the meaning behind those things. And I, I want to show you this in just a second. You'll, you'll see this. Um, so be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. For as you do, more understanding will be given to you. Now listen to this next statement. According to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. What a powerful statement. According to the longing that you have to understand. 
more will be given to you. In other words, let me put it this way. And, and I've done this, I've, I've done this, and we've probably all done this, and some of you may be doing it right now. Uh, we're sitting here, you know, got our Bible in our hand, listening to somebody preach, thinking about what we're, what we're going to eat for lunch. Following along, reading, yeah, 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 that's good. Mm, yeah, chicken, that sounds good. <clears throat> you know, if I go to that place, well, if he, if he don't get long-winded today, I might be able to beat a bunch of crowd there. And, you know, yeah, amen, Pastor. Yeah, you know, I just, you know, boy, I hope, oh, no, don't turn to another scripture. Oh, oh, you know, not one more scripture. Come on, Pastor. Well, guess what? Your longing to understand is not very high at that point. Your longing for food is greater than your longing to understand what the Word has to say. So what does that mean? That means you're not going to get much. Come on now. So, and you might say, well, Pastor, why are you saying that? Um, look at verse 25 from the Passion. Let's go on to verse 25. For those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation. But those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. I want to challenge you guys in these, in these next few weeks, months, as the last couple months of this year and heading into 2021, have a longing to understand what is truly happening. Have a longing to dig into the Word. And, and when I say have a longing to understand what's happening, I don't mean watch more news or you know watch things like that. I'm talking about digging into the Word and finding what the Word says is going on. Have a longing for the Word of God. Have a longing to understand what the Word is saying. Amen. Alright, so I'll start my message now. I won't charge you nothing for that. Turn to, Mark, turn to Matthew 15. But guys, listen, please. I, I pray that, that, you, that, you long, that you have a longing to understand the Word. And that you come with an open heart wanting to wanting to receive more because if you come with an open heart we just read it if you come with an open heart then you're going you're going to receive some things amen Matthew chapter 16 <clears throat> um I don't even know how to start this off um I'm just trying to think how to connect this Holy Spirit help me with that <clears throat> when Jesus was as Jesus grew, and as he, as as you know, he gathered his disciples around him, and you know, for three and a half years, he taught them, he uh, he demonstrated to them the power of God. You know, he he taught them how to believe God. He 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 went through this process of 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 just uh, trying to trying to represent God to them in a way that when He left, that they would be able to do the same things He did. And as He got closer to that time that He knew that He was going to be crucified, now I want you just to, to put yourself... See, because sometimes we... I think sometimes... Uh, sometimes we think of Jesus like... Um, I don't even know how to say that. We think of Jesus like he's he was some superhuman. 
You know, but one thing you have to understand is this. When Jesus walked on the earth, He walked on the earth as a man. He didn't walk in His godly attributes. In other words, He felt pain. He felt hunger. He had emotions. You know, the Bible tells us that we, have, that we don't have a high priest who, who can't relate to us. He says that He's faced every temptation that you and I have faced, and He overcame that temptation. So it's not like, it's not like Jesus just came down and, and put on a facade, and yet, you know, He wasn't tempted by anything, or He didn't feel anything, he, because He was God, and, and so therefore it didn't really matter to Him. No, when He walked the earth, the Bible tells us He, he, he laid down His... Now, yes, He was still God. He was 100% God, yes. But he laid down his attributes of God as God, and he walked as a man. He was one hundred percent man. So, so as as the days came closer, I want you to put yourself in his shoes just for a moment. As you know, let's just say, I mean, I don't know. Let's just throw a number out there. I, I, I'm just I'm taking liberty here. Let's just say two and a half years into two and a half years into his uh, ministry. You know, he, him understanding that he's got about a year left with his disciples, he starts preparing them and starts telling them, guys, there's going to come a day when I'm not going to be with you, and you're going to have to understand how to do this. Flies right over their head. They don't understand it. Jesus starts, he, you know, so, so he starts talking to them. Every opportunity he gets, he starts talking to them about, about, you know, guys, there's coming a day. There's coming a time. You know, you're going to have to understand this. You're going to have to do this. You know, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. You know, the Father will send a comforter, but, but you know, there's, there's going to be a time when I'm not here with you. And, you know, so in that teaching, in that time of, of transition that he's, that he's going through in his mind, do you ever think, have you ever stopped to think, what must have gone through his mind about the cross? You know, um, well, I'll put it this way. How many, you know, if you've ever had a surgery, if you've ever had a medical uh, procedure done, you know, maybe you schedule it a month out, two months out, you know, or whatever. How many of you know every day as that day gets closer, you start thinking about that? And you start thinking about, well, I wonder if it's going to hurt when they cut me. I wonder, I wonder if I'm going to feel that. You know, when they, when they put that probe there, I wonder if, they're, if, that, if I'm going to experience it. You know, when they, when they do this procedure, when they do that procedure, you know, and your mind can start just running crazy. Right? I mean, or am I the only one that, that has ever, that's ever happened to? Could you imagine, or imagine with me for a moment, I'll put it that way. Imagine with me for a moment a month or two months, three months out from when Jesus knows that that um, the cross is coming. And He starts thinking about, that's going to hurt. They're going to beat me. They're going to, they're going to scourge me. They're going, to put, they're going to put my hands out and drive nails through my hands and my feet. He thought of, I mean... Would you think about it if you knew, if you knew March fifteenth, you know, twenty twenty one, that 
that you were going to be crucified? Would you think about the pain? He was human. He had a mind. He, he thought like we did. And you know, and just like you and I, you know, if, if I had that thought in my head, you know, well, the first thing, the first thought I would have, how do I get out of this? How do I not allow this to happen? And you might say, oh, Jesus never would think that. Oh, yeah? The night before, the night before he was arrested, he's in the garden and he's praying. And what's his prayer? God, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. What do you think he was praying? God, that's going to hurt tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, come on now. God, that, you know, is, are you sure this is the only way, Father? Now, it wasn't, it wasn't doubt that he was praying. He was just, listen, he was just praying this thing out, thinking about what was getting ready to happen to him. But then what we know the rest of that prayer, but, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You know, the Bible says that when he was praying that prayer, that he that that his sweat became as drops of blood. That he was under so much stress and so much pressure was on him in that moment. He was literally sweating blood. Hebrews chapter twelve tells us. And when he's talking about the high priest that we have and stuff, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, says, you haven't yet resisted sin by sweating blood. Just turn over there. We'll get to Matthew 16. Hebrews 12. I'm trying to build this up to where you can see, to where we can understand what was happening in this Scripture that I'm getting ready to read you. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat, and has now sat down at the right hand of of the, throne, of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. We, you've heard two or three times today, now is not the time for the church to be discouraged. Now's the time. Listen, if, if there's ever been a time we need to look to Jesus, it's today. We need to look to Him and say, He endured the cross. He endured the hardest time, the hardest thing that anybody could ever go through. And He endured it. So I can endure it. Because He is, he is in me. And He's called me to do certain things. And because of that, I can go through whatever, whatever circumstances present themselves. Verse 4, He goes on to say this, You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Listen, the Amplified says it this way, You have not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. So what he's saying there is this, the, the high priest we have, when we look to Jesus, 
we can look to Him knowing that He struggled with the thought. He struggled with these thoughts of, God, if there's any other way. Now, when I say He struggled with the thought, please understand me, I'm not saying He sinned. It's not, it's not a sin to have a thought. Thoughts come. It's what you do. It's how you act on those thoughts. Right? You can't, you know, Brother Hagin always used to say it this way. Brother Hagin would say that you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can sure stop it from building a nest in your hair. Amen. You know, so, so it says here that Jesus in the garden when he was praying these last hours of his life, that he was sweating blood, that, that, there, that stress and the pressure, and he was saying, God, if there's any other way, but not my will, but your will be done, right? So now let's, let's go back to Matthew 15, for, or 16 for a moment, excuse me, 16. Now this is, this is probably, I don't know the exact time frame, probably about six months maybe to, to a, I don't know, six months to maybe even as far as a year before Jesus is crucified. I mean, it may, it may not be quite that far, I'm not sure, I don't know the exact timing in it, but... But it's within the last year of his life. It's, it's in it's the closing the closing time of Jesus here on the earth, and he's been teaching his disciples. He's been talking to them, been been you know uh, training them. So they sit down one night. They sit down and just get this scene. They, they're sitting there having this conversation, and Jesus throws this question out in Matthew sixteen verse thirteen. It says, "When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi." He asked his disciples, saying, So what's the talk about me, boys? Who do men say that I am? I, the Son of Man, am. You know, basically, basically he was asking this. What's everybody saying about me? Now, a couple points, and I'll come back to it in just a second. But it's important who you listen to. Because everybody's going to be talking. Everybody's got an opinion. Come on. Everybody's going to have a thought about Jesus asked the question, and, and I think he asked, and I believe he's, you know, this is almost a setup because he was asking his disciples, are you, are you, who are you listening to? Are you listening to what everybody else is saying, or are you getting your revelation from Father God? Because he asked him the question, who, who, do, who are men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they were quick to pop up. They says, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some alive. Can you just see the, can you see the disciples? There's 12 of them surrounding Jesus here. And Peter might have popped up. So, hey, I heard the other day, somebody said you were John. Matthew said, oh, I heard you were Pete. Somebody said you were, or you were Elijah. Somebody else says, oh, well, I heard somebody said you were Moses. You know, so they're all popping up. Oh, I heard this and I heard that. This person said that. This person said this. And so they're all chiming in. You know, some say, some say uh, John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. You know, so they're all, you know, so in other words, they had been listening to what everybody else had been saying. So then Jesus said in verse 15, He said to them, But who do you say that I am? So see, he said, now, he said, are you listening to what everybody else is saying? Yeah, you're John the Baptist, you're Jeremiah, you're Josh, you're this, you're this, you're this. But who, are you, who do you say that I am? And this is where Peter, verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, everybody else out there that's saying, I'm John the Baptist, I'm, I'm Jeremiah, I'm one of the prophets, you didn't get that revelation from them. But my Father who is in heaven gave you that revelation. So at least Peter had been hearing something from the Father. Right? Verse 18, he goes on, he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter. He changed his name. You are Peter, and upon this rock, he was talking about the revelation from God, upon this revelation, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now, I could preach a lot on that right there, but I'm going to skip some of that because I want to get to this next part. So in verse 21, so now, so, so he has this conversation. What's everybody else saying? Jeremiah, John the Baptist, the prophets, da da da. Who do you say? Peter gets this revelation from God. You're, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, upon that revelation, upon, upon revelation from my Father, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will have no power against revelation. And he said, now don't, you know, don't go out and broadcast, Peter, don't go out and broadcast this to everybody yet, because it's not time yet. So then in verse 21, he says this, now notice this, from this time, in other words, from, from the time that, that, that Peter got this revelation, from this time, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So he started talking about, he started talking about God's plan you know, the, the, Jesus, there's another scripture that says that Jesus made this comment. He says, he says, for this purpose I came. In other words, he said, he said, I came to die. I was born to die. You know, Jesus knew as he, as he got that revelation about who he was, he knew that the cross was his destiny. He knew that that's what God's plan was. He knew that that's where God was taking him. So he began showing his disciples from that time, because, because now, see, now he got this. Now he's saying, they're hearing from the Father. So now I can start revealing deeper things to them. So, so now he started saying, guys, listen, take that revelation about what you got from the Father and understand this, that I'm, I've got to go to Jerusalem and the chief priest and the high priest and, and they're going to scourge me, they're going to do this, I'm going to die, and then on the third day I'll be raised again. Well, we, we know that, <laughs> we know probably they got hung up on the whole killing thing, on the dying thing, and they missed the third day thing. Because at the end of his life, on the third day, they weren't at the tomb waiting for him to come out. They were hiding up in the upper room. So they got hung up on the whole, he's going to be killed, and they didn't even hear him say, I'll raise, be raised again on the third day. Have you ever listened to somebody and you missed what they said because they, they said such a radical statement that your, your mind just started going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then you just miss the rest of the sentence. That's what happened to the disciples. I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be scourged. They're going to kill me. 
but on the third day I'm going to rise again. Whoa, whoa, wait, what? Kill? What? Whoa, whoa, time out, time out. Kill? Somebody's going to kill you? Look at the very next verse. <clears throat> verse 22. Then Peter, now Peter's still on this high from Jesus saying, you got that revelation from the Father. You know, you know how good it feels when somebody says, hey, you're spot on. You know, you're, you're a smart dude. You, you got, you're connected, man. I mean, you got that. So Peter hears this, and it says, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Peter's rebuking Jesus. Hey, because Peter now, I've got this direct connection. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let me tell you what God said about, you know, hold on just a minute. Let me, let me, let, you know, we need to have a conversation. So he, pulled Jesus, he pulls Jesus off to the side and starts rebuking him. And he said this, he said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Peter said, I'll stop this from happening. There's no way, there's no way that somebody's going to kill you. I, they'll kill me before they kill you, Jesus. Peter's heart was in the right place, but... His information was wrong. You see, now, now he wasn't connected to heaven. Now he was connected to his flesh. You see, because God's plan was for Jesus to go to the cross to die as our sacrifice. If Peter had had his way, Jesus never would have died on the cross, and you and I would still be lost in our sin. Peter, thinking that he's, he's got that direct connection to heaven, all of a sudden now gets in his flesh. Far be it from you, Jesus! You know, no, this is not God's plan. Nobody will kill you. They'll kill me before they kill you, Jesus. And then the famous Scripture that we all know, have heard preached many times probably, verse 20, 23, But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan! You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, think, you know, he just bragged about Peter having a direct connection to heaven. And now he's saying, get behind me, Satan. Now, he's not calling Peter Satan. And other translations say that. Now, listen, other translations say things like this. The New American Standard says, you are a stumbling block to me. The basic Bible in, uh, basic Bible in English says, you are a danger to me. The ETV, the easy to read version says this, you are not helping me. God's Word translation says this, you are tempting me to sin. Think about that. You are t- Peter, hush, Peter. You're tempting me to sin. Why would why would he why would he say why would he say you're an offense to me? You're a stumbling block. You're tempting me to sin. Why would he say that? Because he's trying to get Jesus to compromise. He's trying to get Jesus to stop going to the cross. Even though it was God's perfect plan for him to do that, he was trying Peter. Uh, not understanding, not understanding the whole plan. Now he's he's hooked to his flesh now, and he's saying, "No, no, no! You got to stay here with us, because where would I be without you, Jesus? You can't die." 
But Peter, but Jesus told him, you are a stumbling block and you are tempting me to sin. Why would he say you're tempting me to sin? Because you realize if Jesus had given in to that compromise, he would have missed God's plan. Look at Mark chapter 8. This is uh, Mark's translation of this, or Mark's account of this is very interesting. Because in Matthew it says that, that Peter pulled Jesus off to the side, and it almost makes it sound like this was, you know, like this was just between Peter and him. But look what Matthew, or Mark says this in Mark chapter 8, verse 33. It says, uh, in verse 32, it says, He spoke this openly, so then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Verse 33 says, But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, in other words, he turned around and looked at his disciples, so he was close enough to see his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Put that up there in the message. Now check this out. This is incredible, incredible. Turning and seeing his disciples wavering, wondering what to believe. Jesus said that he had to die. But Peter's saying that, that, that he would die before he allowed Jesus to die. Who, who, who do we believe? It, does Jesus really have to die? I mean, is he really going to be scourged? Is, is, is the high priest... The high priest of the is he really going to beat Jesus? Peter saying, "Pity your." One translation says, "Pity yourself, Jesus. Feel sorry for yourself and turn and go the other way. Don't go through with it." So Jesus, it says, when he turned and saw his disciples, his disciples wavering, wondering what to believe. Jesus confronted Peter. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. I wonder, you know, uh, there's, there, there was so much and so many people prophesying about what was going to happen in this election cycle. Well-known prophets. I mean, people I respect, people I listen to, people, people that I would, I mean, that, that, I, that I really respect. Prophesied, many of them, most of them, that I listen to and that I follow, prophesied that President Trump was going to win a second term. Then election night comes. All of a sudden, the count stops. Some squirrely things start happening. The next day, the following day, two days later, three days later, all of a sudden it doesn't look like things are going to turn out like what all the prophets said and what we were feeling in our heart. So what are we to do? I wonder if Jesus were here and He turned around and He saw us wavering, wondering what to believe, what He would say to us. What I want to share with you this morning is this. It's very important who you listen to. If you listen, if all you are listening to is the mainstream media, then you are going to be, you are going to be disconnected from God's plan. 
you, you know, Jesus, Jesus himself in these different translations in Matthew 16 and Mark 8, he told them, he says, he says, you know, you are thinking like a man. You're not thinking like God here. You're connected to the flesh. You're not connected to the spirit. Because see, Jesus knew the plan was to go to the cross. Peter hooked back into his flesh and said, but I can't lose you. I've, you know, you've got to stay here with me. Now, he didn't, I mean, you understand, I'm paraphrasing that, but that's what he was saying. You, I'll never let anybody kill you because you're too important to me. But God said, God said you, you're not, you don't see this the way God sees it. You're listening to the wrong people. Why, did you, why do you think he set that whole thing up asking them what everybody else was saying? Who do men say that I am? Oh, so you're listening to CNN, Fox News. MSNBC. They're all saying this. What's God saying? Which, you're, if people are wavering, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what they say? Or are you going to believe what He said? Come on. Now, listen... You say, Pastor, do you know 100% how things are going to turn out? No, I don't. I, I mean, I'm a man. I could miss it. I have, I have gut feelings. I have in my spirit. I feel like I, I feel like I'm. I, I mean, I feel like I know what God spoke to me. And I know, and you know, and I mean, so, so, you know, I mean, I, I understand that. That, but I'm a man. I could miss it. But what I'm saying is this. What you listen to and who you listen to matters. Could it be that that this whole this whole plan, you know, we were isolated. The the enemy, well, I, I say is the enemy of sickness, tried to tried to get churches to shut down, not to meet. Why? So that so that everybody can could keep the TV turned on. You turn the TV on, what's all over the TV? Oh, it's the worst ever. The pandemic's resurging. There's, it's going to be the worst winter in history. Better stay home. Better not be around people. Better not sing in church. People start wavering. Why? Look at, look at um, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 33 and 34. <clears throat> Luke 11. No one, when he has lit a lamp, verse 33, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. But look at verse 34. Now, this is an interesting scripture. Um, well, I'll read it from the New, Kings, New King James. It's a little bit different than, than the King James, but the New King James says this. The lamp of the body is the eye. Now, look, remember what he said in verse 33. See, this goes back to the Scripture I read at the beginning. Have a longing to understand the meaning of what you're hearing. Don't just read, don't just read Scripture and breeze over it and don't think about it. 
Verse 33, he said this. He said, nobody lights a lamp and then hides it to where nobody can see it. If you light a lamp, you're going to put it to where everybody can see it. Okay? So then Jesus said this. The lamp of the body is the eye. Okay? So what happens with the eye, everybody's going to know it. If you light a lamp, everybody in the room is going to see it. So what happens, what you allow to come into your eyes is going to determine the direction your life goes. So he says, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. We can say different translations say it different ways, but we can put it like this. When you are looking at good things, then everything in your life is filtered through that good thing. But when you start looking at bad things, everything in your life is filtered through that bad thing. This is it's easy to understand because here, I mean, and and every listen, I did this, I did this uh, Tuesday night, and even early Wednesday morning, I stayed up to one thirty Tuesday night. Just watching, listening, shocked by what was happening, disappointed, went to bed mad, didn't sleep good, wondering, well, what's going on? What? Well, I, man, I really thought that it was going to be this way. Now, oh, they're saying, oh, I, I don't understand this. Got up early Tuesday morning, got up at 6 o'clock Tuesday morning, turned the TV on, see if there was any change. Sat there for two or three hours Wednesday morning just watching. Letting that stuff into my eye. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, my I mean, everything in me was bitter. Everything in me was disappointed. Everything in me was getting mad. And it was right, right opposite of what God wanted in my life and wants in my life. Why, why would that happen? In a matter of hours I'm talking about, I went from being a joyful, thankful person to sitting on the couch wanting to throw something. And if I, was, if, if I, if I had a cuss word in my vocabulary, I probably would have said a few of them. Why? Because the lamp of the eye, the lamp of the body, is the eye. What I allow in me determines the direction I go. And when I, when I allow who I... And we can say it a different way. Who you listen to will determine the direction you go. If, I'm listening, if I only listen to the media, if I only listen to what the TV's saying then you know what? I'm, my, my life's going to be pretty miserable. But if I turn that mess off and start plugging into God and start allowing God to start worshiping and start praising and start getting back into thanksgiving 
and getting back into, into just, just spending time with Him, thinking about how good He is to me, and greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world, that I'm always victorious. It doesn't matter what's going on out here. I'm victorious because I'm in Christ. I'm hidden in Him. I'm protected in Him. He's my refuge. He's my shelter. I mean, there's nothing that man can do to me because I'm in Christ. He hides me. He protects me. He strengthens me. Now all of a sudden, man, I get up and I'm, I'm shouting. Which one, which, who are you listening to? What do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? The lamp of the eye, the lamp of the body is the eye. If, if the eye is good, the whole body is good. If the eye is bad, then the body's full of darkness. <clears throat> James says that a double-minded man is unstable. A duo, having two thoughts. I can sit down and watch, watch television, and those thoughts go against what God's wanting me to think. Now, does, I mean, you know, can we be informed about what's happening? Yes, you can be informed about what's happening. But my direction comes from the Father. Listen to this. I, I wrote down this, and this is what I wrote down when Tanya was talking to the Lord. I, I just opened my Bible up and it fell to this Scripture. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm almost through, I promise. 1 Corinthians 15. And, I mean, and, and my, script, my Bible just fell open to that when, I was, when, when Tanya was talking. And, and talking about how words matter. People, she talked about how like that that, you know, she saw some posts or something on Facebook and, you know, uh, and some of the things. You know, you see, I mean, you, you open up Facebook, America's doomed. America's finished. You know, we'll never, we'll ne- all of, everything's going to be taken away from us. Or, is that what you want? I'll, if, you wanna, if you want me to get in agreement with you, I can get in agreement with you and say, hey, you'll have, you'll have nothing. Everything's going to be taken away from you. You type that out there, everybody hit like, like, like. What are they doing? Amen, I agree to that. I'm with you on that. That's what you want. You can have it. Amen, Pastor. (laughs) I'm having fun. I don't know if you all are or not. Verse 33 and 34. Listen to this, and I'm finishing. Do not be deceived. 1 Corinthians 15:33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Verse 34. We heard this a couple of times. It's not time for the church to sleep. It's time for the church to be awake. Verse 34. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some of you do not have the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. The Amplified. Put the Amplified up there of that one. Verse 34. Awake from your drunken stupor (laughs) and return to sober sense and your right minds and sin no more. For some of you have not the knowledge of God. You are utterly and willfully... And then go to verse 35... 
You are utterly and willfully... <clears throat> that, didn't re- that didn't read all of it. That cut some of it off. I'll, just, I'll read it for you. Or it may be in two parts. Uh, it says, Awake from your drunken stupor, return to sober sense and your right minds, and sin no more. For some of you have not the knowledge of God. Now listen to this. You are utterly and willfully and disgracefully ignorant, and you continue to be so. Lacking the sense of God's presence. Lacking the sense of God's presence. And all true knowledge of Him. I say this to your shame. Let let me ask you a question and I'm going to finish. How many of you believe, how many of you believe that God lives on the inside of you? Keep your hand up if you believe that. Then why in the world are any of us afraid of what's going to happen? If you truly believe that the greater one's on the inside of you, then you have no excuse to be fearful. I'll say what Paul said. I won't say this, but Paul said this. You're willfully ignorant. And I say this to your shame. Because we have this. We have this. The Bible. God's finished Word. That tells us that God lives on the inside of us. And it tells us that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That He'll always have His hand on us. That there'll be nothing that'll come our way that He is not greater than. And whether it's a President Trump, whether it's a President Biden, whether it's a President Harris, if I believe that God is bigger and greater and He's living on the inside of me, then my eyes on Him. And what goes on out here, it'll take care of itself. Because I'm looking to Him. I'm not looking to the government to meet my needs. I'm not looking to the government to answer my questions. I'm looking to the kingdom. The king of the kingdom. My eyes are on Him. He lives in me. And if, he, if he, the Bible tells me He's for me, He's for my good. Jeremiah prophesied that, that He knows the plans that He has for me. Plans of good and not of evil. God loves me. He's for me. Now, does that mean that nothing bad will ever happen? Of course not. We live in a fallen world. There will be trials and tribulations. There will be, there'll be times that we go through things that we may not understand. But you know what we do during all those times? Let's go back to what I've been talking about the last two weeks. We give thanks in all things because He's greater. And even though I may be going through a hard time right now, I'm still thankful that God, that He's still living in me, that, that whatever's happening right now, these, these, these things are only temporary compared to what, to, to what I have in Him. And if, if, if this thing, if, if the worst thing that could happen to me was that I die, The Bible tells me to be absent from the body is to be present with Him. 
So I win. Church, listen. Please hear me. Do not let, do not let what, what everybody else is saying out there, do not let that dictate who you are. Do not let that dictate whether you're in fear, whether you have worry. If you have fear and worry in your life right now, get in His Word. Spend time with Him. Allow Him. Jesus said, Jesus said peace He leaves with us. His peace. Not the kind that the world gives, but the kind that passes all understanding. The Bible says, the Bible says that, that if you have fear, it's because you don't, un, you don't have a complete revelation of love. Why? Because perfect love casts fear out. When you truly understand how much God loves you, you'll fear nothing. <clears throat> Church, listen. These next few days, weeks, months, this is not a time for us to shrink back. There's a, there's a battle going on right now. There is a war going on right now. It's not with people. Although people are being used right now. But our battle is a spiritual battle. And we're going to fight this battle on our knees. We're going to fight this battle in the heavenlies. Not with, not with, carnal, not with carnal weapons, but we're going to fight them with spiritual weapons. What's our spiritual weapons? Our spiritual weapons are prayer. Our spiritual weapons are praise. Our spiritual weapons are one another. Come on. If you start getting down and depressed, call, call one of your brothers or sisters. Hey, I just need to be encouraged a little bit. Keith Moore calls them your faith buddies. You always need a faith buddy. Somebody, if you're, if you're struggling with sickness, you can call them up and say, tell me, tell me how healed I am right now. You're struggling with finances, you can call somebody up and say, hey, tell me how blessed I am. That's code word. That's not code word to say, oh, well, tell me everything. What's happening? What are you doing? What's going on? No, that's code word for, let me tell you what the Word says. Amen. But listen, the next few days and weeks, it may get uglier before it gets prettier. I mean, there may be some, there may be some setbacks. There may be some victories. It may go up and down. It may go, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. But one thing we can't do is we can't grow weary in doing good. We can't let go. We can't give up. We can't, we can't shrink back. We're not of those that shrink back. Amen. Listen, that word this morning, I believe this, and I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm praying into it even more. I will be praying into it even more. I, I heard the Lord say this morning in pre-service prayer that there was, there was uh, uh, power and boldness being released throughout His body today. And I, I, for one, I grabbed hold of that and I said, as soon as the Lord spoke that, I said, Lord, I receive that. I receive boldness and I receive the power of God. There's nothing that can stand against the power of God. You get the power, you have the power, we've got the power of God on the inside. He's living on the inside of us. We don't have to go looking for Him. We don't have to spend days searching for Him. Hmm. So guys, listen. Let's go, let's go out of here this morning encouraged. Let's go out of here this morning excited about what God is getting ready to release.
and what He has released and what we're getting ready to see in our nation. The darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. Amen. The more, the more, the more it look, may look like that is not going for our good, then the harder we press in. We don't give up. We don't turn back. We're not of those that shrink back. We're of those that go forward. And I just encourage you, don't, don't, I'll just ask this question again as I close. Who are you listening to? And I can, I can probably tell you who you're listening to by what's coming out of your mouth. I can probably look at your Facebook post and tell you who you're listening to. I, listen, I wanted to say some things. I, 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 typed, I probably typed ten different things and the Holy Spirit said, No. Whoa, boy, come back here. <laughs> Cindy posted that thing. I posted that picture of that dog or something that said, said you know, it's me after typing something that God says, Nope. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, you know, man, I had such a good reply to that. But that was flesh. That wasn't spirit. I got to understand what, what I got to keep my mouth and my tongue hooked up to my spirit, not my flesh. Amen? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Listen, I love you guys. I'm praying for you. Church, I'm praying for you. Listen, we need pray- you need to be praying for me. I need to be praying for you. Our church, our, our nation needs our prayers. And, and we, we will see the victory. We are going to see God move. We're, I mean, He's done it before. He'll do it again. We're going, to, we're going to see great things. What a testimony is going to be when we see the evil exposed and, and, and God and, and, you know, we see the victory. Amen. And I think it's going to be a great day. Amen. Let's just stand up and shout as we get ready to leave. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the greater one on the inside. Thank you, Lord. No fear here. No fear here. So, Lord, our eyes are on You. Our heart is open to receive whatever it is that that You have for us. Lord, Father, my prayer this week for for this body, for those watching online, for for those hearing on the podcast or on CD or whatever, my, my Father, is that their eyes would be open to see heavenly things, their ears would be open to hear the voice of God, and their hearts would be open to receive and to, to step out with boldness and in the power of God to say and to do the things that You tell us to say and do. So, Father, we receive that. I pray for protection over our church, over our church family, over each person here. And, Father, we just rejoice. We're going away glad today because we've heard the good news. Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Hallelujah. So, Father, we've heard the good news this morning. And we're going away with a smile on our face and joy in our hearts because it always brings victory, Father, in our lives. We thank You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen.